Bibles today, uh, let's go to, um, well, let's pray first. Praise God. I'm not sure which one I'm going to go to first here. Amen. Father, we thank you for speaking to us, for revealing yourself to us, for manifesting yourself to us today. We open up, Lord. We open up our hearts. We open up our minds, Father, today. Quicken us. Quicken us according to your word, Lord, as your word says. Make it alive to us today, the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what have we been talking about? This subject right up here, how to win in life, amen. I'm not going to keep you long today, but I want to share a couple of things with you that we've been talking about. Um, we looked at uh, some principles of winning, and we looked at the first, second, and third. Last week, we looked at the fourth principle or fourth step on winning in life. And, and again, if you were not here for those messages, make sure you get a tape and get caught up and listen to them and uh, let it minister the Word of God to you. The first thing we talked about was the first step to winning in life is having the right information. You've got to have the right knowledge. Secondly, we talked about uh, having a right mental attitude. Right? You've got to have the right mental attitude. Thirdly, we talked about uh, to realize that you're on a winning team. When you got born again and Jesus Christ became your Lord and your Savior, you were drafted into a winning team. Amen? Thank God for that. Fourthly, we talked about this last week, but we only just got into the edge of it last week, and that is that we have to be determined to win. We have to be determined to win. And I made mention of the fact that sometimes it's okay to get mad, but to use that anger to channel you in the right direction. Amen. Now, sometimes there's an unhealthy anger that you can destroy, hurt other people. You can even hurt yourself. Matter of fact, when, even when the Bible even says, blessed is a man that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. Amen. You know, some people are just self-condemning all the time. They're always criticizing themselves, condemning themselves, but we're not even supposed to do that. Amen. Amen. You want to bring that up just a little bit, Kel? Thanks. The uh, Bible says that God loves us. The Bible says God loved us while we were yet sinners, all right? So unconditional love God has towards us, right? If God loves us with unconditional love, then we should love ourselves like that, okay? Love one another. Love your neighbor even as you love yourself, okay? So if you're self-condemning and you're always condemning yourself for what you do, now I'm not talking about if you miss it and you sin, you know, um, we're to run to God, not run from Him. When we miss it, we are to run to Him, amen? And some people need to run to God. I'll be honest with you. Some people are just running away from God, right? I know people right now that are running from God. They're not running to God. They're running from God. But God is your answer. God is your solution. He's your only answer. He's your only solution. So we have to be determined to win. And uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Uh, the scripture says this. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So uh, it's okay to be angry. It's just the Bible says don't sin. All right? When Jesus was... Uh, told by his followers that they had taken his cousin, his first cousin, John the Baptist, and taken his head off, you know, uh, don't you think he was, he was close to John the Baptist? That, was, that would have affected him. And there, there would be a natural fleshly tendency to retaliate in the natural after someone that has done that to your first cousin, especially a godly man like John the Baptist. But you know, the Bible says Jesus retaliated, but not like we think. The Bible says he went out the very next day and he healed the sick and the lame and the maimed and the blind. Hallelujah. That's how he channeled his anger to get people set free. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, it should anger us when we see people that are not living the way that they should as far as not getting mad at them. But when someone's hurting and someone's in pain and someone's sick, it makes me mad. Amen makes me angry. It's like, no, we're not going to allow this. We're not going to allow this curse in our house. Amen. 
Thank you, Lord. The devil starts messing with your kids, starts messing with your body. You ought to take it out on the devil, not on other people. You rise up and say, no, oh, no, you don't, devil. You're not going to mess with my kids. You're not going to mess with this situation. You're not going to mess with my physical body. Amen. I'm not leaving this earth until I'm ready to leave. And I'm not checking out of here with sickness and disease. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to finish my race, finish my course. And uh, that's just the way it's going to be. Amen. And when the devil hears that coming from you, he tucks his tail between his legs and he runs off because he can't not stand up to that kind of confidence and faith in God. Amen. Now we're talking about determination. If you have your scripture, go over to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And I want to see, uh, I want to show you something here from the Word of God this morning about being determined. To win in life, you have to be determined to win. You have to have a backbone. Amen? Like one guy said, you have to have the backbone like a crowbar, not a jellyfish. You have to rise up. Amen? And say, no, no, we're going to do something about this. See, the, the great thing about the gospel is, is that God has given us the power to choose. God will never violate your will. Do you know that? He will never violate your will. And, I, you know, it set me free to realize that, you know, I can't change anybody. I can't change anybody in my family. I can't change anybody in the church. I can't do it. You know, if it was up to me, I'd make everybody come to church. But it's not up to me because people have a will. People have a choice. Because I know what good that it's going to be if they sit in this chair. Amen. See these, see these empty chairs right here? That's not God's will. That is not God's will. It's God's will that every one of those chairs be filled with people. Amen. To the point, we have to knock that wall, fold that wall back, not knock it up, and fold it back there, and we can put another 50 or 60 people back there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's God's will. But see, people have a choice. People have a choice. We, the only choice that we have control over is our, what we do. I have control over how I act and how I react and what I do, my obedience or disobedience. I have control over that. Amen? And it's, it's liberating to me to realize that I can't control anybody, not even my own family members. You ever try to control your family members before? It's like you put everything on a silver platter and you present it for them. Look at this. You can have this. Well, it's like the old saying, you can bring a horse to a watering trough, but you can't make a drink, right? But here's the thing. God doesn't want you under that pressure to try to fit in their body and make them make the right choices, okay? You can't do that. I can't do that. Are you with me? But what you can do is you can be obedient and you can do what God wants you to do. You can be obedient. You can pray. There have been times I've been so discouraged that I stopped praying like I should have. Do you know that? It's just like, how long is this going to go on? Do you ever feel that way before? Amen. But the Lord always reminds me, he says, no, son. He said, are you going to give up too? Are you going to quit? Are you going to throw the towel in, so to speak? Are you going to quit being faithful? And I realize, oh, God, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I want to be obedient to you. I want to be faithful to you. Amen? And by doing what God wants us to do, it will put us in a better position so that other people can be blessed. You see, if I backslid today, and I have a choice. Do you know I could backslide today and never show up again? I could close the doors on this church and never show up again and get out of the ministry. I could do that. I mean, I have a choice to do that. And believe me, the thought has come once in a while. Okay? But let me tell you something. There's more at stake than just me. There's other people. So if there's some rough times and some tough times that come my way... I, I, like Paul said, I endure all things for the elect's sake. And boy, he put up a lot, a lot of stuff. And there's more at stake than just me. There's other people on the line. I'm just using this as an illustration. 
And there's other people like, uh, that are influenced by your life, whether you realize it or not. If I live for God or I don't live for God, it's not going to just affect me. It's going to affect everybody around me. It's going to affect everybody around me. Jesus' obedience affected the human race. Adam's disobedience affected the human race. Romans 5 talks about for one man's disobedience, many were affected by, the whole world was affected by sin. But he said, much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Jesus' obedience impacted the whole human race. And our obedience to God will not only affect us, but it will affect generations of people around us. Amen? So we always have to be conscious of the fact that there's other people that are around us. Right? Are you all with me now? I hope you understand my heart this morning. Sometimes things are hard to explain, but they have to be explained. Praise God. In uh, Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness and had a pity party. Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness and what? Prayed. Prayed. Now keep that in mind. And it came to pass on a certain day that he was teaching and there were Pharisees. Now, if you go back to verse 16, Jesus was in the wilderness we, he prayed, but actually what was he doing? He was talking to his father. He was in communication with his father. Okay? Why was he in communication with his father? To get direction and wisdom for what he was supposed to do that very day or the next day. So as you pray, God will show you, here's where you need to be. Here's what you need to do. And so it says in verse 17, it came to pass on a certain day that he was teaching and there, was in the, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, of Judea, Jerusalem. And notice this phrase, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But notice, no one's being healed yet, but the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And... Uh, Look at verse 18. It says, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, uh, or we would say he was crippled. And uh, they sought means to bring him in to lay him before him. And when they could not find a way where they might bring him because of the multitude, they went up onto the housetop, let him down through the, the toweling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith... He said unto them, Man, thy sins be forgiven them. Now let's just stop here for a second here and we'll read the rest of the verses in just a second here. Now here's, here's this, how many have read this before, this incident here? But here they, they, this man has some friends, I like to say four crazy friends, Everybody needs four crazy friends that just believe God. Amen. And uh, they showed up late to the service. And uh, when they got to the service, they realized that the house that Jesus was ministering was jam cram packed. And there was, there was no way to fit anybody else in there. Okay. And, but they realized, I don't know how far they carried their friend. You know, they didn't have an EMS vehicle pull up, you know, and open up the back, you know, and pull them out on a stretcher, you know, like we have today. You know, these are primitive times here. And so they, they, they got to where Jesus was and they realized the, our only hope for Jesus to be healed is that we get him into to the midst where Jesus is. Because the, this, the, their friends had a concern for their friend. They wanted to see him get healed. That's a good friend, isn't it? Hallelujah. Well, the Bible says that there are so many people in there that they stopped and they, the Bible says they sought means. Okay, well, how are we going to, how are we going to deal with this? All right, everybody say obstacle. obstacle. Okay, you ever have an obstacle before? <laughs> a few of those before, little obstacles that pop up, you know? Well, an obstacle shouldn't be an excuse for us to say, well, it's too late, this isn't going to work. And just because, and I've, I've found this to be true, there's always, I have obstacles pop up every single week. How many of you too? I mean, boom, it's like, 
It's like that thing when I was a kid, that little thing, you try to hit it on the head, and then it pops up over here. It's like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I don't know what they call that thing. You know what I mean? So we got to learn how to deal with, if we're going to be determined to win, we have to learn how to deal with obstacles. Now, they could have gotten to that place right there, and they could have said, uh, guy, listen, we had good intentions. We wanted to get you here, but look, there's no way that we can get you into this place. And the Bible says they sought means. In other words, they sat down and they thought, wait a minute. There's got to be a way for us to get in. Now, the Holy Spirit had to inspire one of those guys to say, there's nobody on the roof. (laughs) Now, the guy's crippled. He can't walk. He's never walked. But somebody said one of the guys there was inspired by the Lord, you know, had an idea. And sometimes ideas, God can give you an idea. How many of you know that? God can give you an idea. Maybe you never thought of it before, and it's like, whoa, that's a God idea. Now, there's good ideas, but then there's God ideas. So uh, it, they must have all agreed to it. They said, let's take them up on the roof, you know. And so they took them up, and they, you know, that took faith on that man's part. He's, a, he's already crippled. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't mean want to be dropped, right? Think about this. And so they, they somehow they got up on this rooftop, okay, and... Uh, and they start to, as Jesus is ministering, the power of the Lord was present to heal. All of a sudden, the toweling on the roof is being removed, and there's a skylight. Light, the sunlight is, you know, in that part of the world, and still to this day, there's a lot of sunshine there. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's not like here. <laughs> and, um, and all of a sudden, Jesus stops, and he looks up, and this guy's being lowered down by his friends. And it's interrupted the whole meeting. I know I like those kind of interruptions. You know, it's one thing when the devil interrupts something, you know, and I've had that happen a few times through the years. I won't go into that. <laughs> Amen. One, one guy thought I was many, many years ago, uh, way back in like 1989 to be exact, this, this guy was going around from church to church and he was trying to stop. He, he thought he was on a mission from God to stop preachers from preaching heresy, you know. And so this guy came into our church. He was making his rounds, you know. And, uh, I mean, he was just wide-eyed, wild, demon-possessed guy that stood up in the midst of our worship and started screaming out, false prophet, false prophet, all that kind of stuff. And and I knew something was going on because I told my head usher at that time. I said, look, I said, his name was Mike. I said, Mike, I said, keep an eye on this guy. He's trouble, all right? If If he pulls anything, you deal with him. You have my authority to deal with him, okay? And so uh, he starts to yell out, you know. And Now, the good thing is I have a microphone. I'm leading worship, okay? <laughs> and um, so he started yelling out stuff, false prophets, prophets, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know. And people were like, what's going on? So I just cranked it up and started playing my guitar more. And we just, we just turned up the volume, kind of drowned him out. But I gave my, 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 uh, my head usher the nod because he wasn't going to stop, Okay? He goes over and he pulls him out and he started going like this, you know, and he, he just pulls him out in the back, you know. And at this time, we were meeting in an Episcopal church. We had Saturday night services. This is back in 1989. And, uh, and I could see these double doors open up in the middle aisle, you know, and my friend took him back there. Now, this guy was, my head usher at that time, he was a stout, strong. He was a, almost a professional hockey player, you know. And uh, he took him back there and I just saw legs and arms fine and everything, you know, and I thought... He took care of it. Amen. But I like when God does something like I could be preaching and something happens and bam, say, Pastor, I just got healed while you were preaching right now. I love those kind of miracles. I love those kind of interruptions. Amen. Well, here's Jesus ministering. In verse 19, it says, And when they could not find a way where they might bring him because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop, let him down through the tiling, with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he saw all their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, what did this, this guy came for healing? But Jesus saw something deeper. He saw that the man needed forgiveness. And he addresses this. He says, Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
in verse 20. And verse 21, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answered and said unto them, Why reason you in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? Now notice the 23rd verse. He said, Which is easier? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He said, which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? See, Jesus made forgiveness and healing easy. You see? At verse 24, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, Go into thy house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up whereupon he lay, and he departed into his own house, glorifying God. Everybody say determined. determined. Okay. Now their determination allowed them to not stop when obstacles came their way. Now we might as well get used to the fact when you're pursuing God and you're moving forward in the Lord, this is not a prophecy of doom and gloom. But the devil will see to it that there are obstacles that will come up in your life. And there will always be a reason to not proceed. And, uh, because the enemy just doesn't lay down and say, go ahead, serve God, do what you want to do. He's going to try to fight you every step of the way. But here, here's the thing. Satan is a flesh devil. And if he can keep you in the flesh realm, he can defeat you. But if, you know, we fight him with spiritual weapons. And we realize that our weapons are not natural, the Bible says. They're spiritual. The Word of God is our primary weapon that we have. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And if you fight, Kenneth Hagin said this, if you fight the devil in the arena of reason, you get whipped every time. But if you fight the enemy in the arena of faith, he gets whipped every single time. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by the five senses. But I'm moved by the word of God. That's what moves me. That's what walking by faith is. Glory to God. They had an inspired idea. They were determined to win. Now I heard of a guy named Abraham Lincoln. Anybody ever heard of him before? Some of our founding fathers went through tremendous adversity that we don't know much about. All we see is their accomplishments and we see what they did and, you know, and their names are written down. Everybody knows who they are. But we don't, George Washington, for example, went through much adversity. Amen? And uh, when he was in the French and Indian War, I mean, I'm telling you, God was on his side. I'm telling you. And that was just a few miles from here that that took place. And he had bullets, holes in his coat, but it didn't touch him. He took his coat off and bullets came out. Amen. And that wasn't no bulletproof vest. That's before they had any of that kind of stuff. But Abraham Lincoln, we know him as one of the greatest presidents ever. And his accomplishments, you know, to, to free the slaves and set people free. It's just a marvelous thing. But I came across this documentary here and I'll just read a couple so I'll take a minute to read this but I want, to, I want you to see something about adversity and then finally his, his uh, victory to win the presidency in 1816 this is a fact you can google this you can find this on the web it's right there in 1816 his family was forced out of their home he had to work to support them in 1818 his mother died 1831 he failed in business 1832, Abraham Lincoln ran for state legislator and lost. 1832, he lost his job. He wanted to go to law school, but he couldn't get in. In 1833, Honest Abe borrowed some money from a friend to begin a business, and by the end of the year, he was bankrupt. He spent the next 17 years of his life paying off the debt. In 1834, he ran for state legislator again, and he won. In 1835, he was engaged to be married his sweetheart died and his heart was broken. In 1836, he had a total nervous breakdown and was in bed for six months. In 1838, he sought to become the Speaker of the State. He was defeated. 1840, he sought to become elector. He was defeated. 1843, he ran for Congress. He lost. <laughs> 1844, 
1846, he ran for Congress again. This time he won, went to Washington and did a good job. In 1848, he ran re-election to Congress, but he lost. 1849, he sought a job of a land officer in his home state, and he was rejected. In 1854, he ran for Senate of the United States, and he lost. 1856, he sought the vice presidency nomination at his party's national convention. He got less than 100 votes. We're almost finished here. In 1858, he ran for U.S. Senate again, and he lost. In 1860, 1860, he was elected president of the United States. Adversity. He had adversity. But his mission was bigger. And when your mission is big in life, your mission is bigger than anything else, the adversity is not going to stop you. Thing, we have to ask ourselves this question. Why am I here on this earth? Why am I here? It's a good question we need to ask ourselves. What's my purpose? Why am I here? Am I here just to fill up space? <laughs> just to kind of go through life, just kind of barely making it? Why am I here? I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost will show you why you are here, what your purpose is here. Amen? And when you know what your purpose is, nothing's going to hinder you. Nothing's going to stop you. When adversity comes against you, it's just not going to stop you. Every one of you in this room have giftings. I'm telling you, 100% of the people in this room, you have giftings and talents and anointings that God placed in you when you were born into this earth. And that's the beautiful thing about it is, is that every one of us here are talented and gifted in a different way than, than each person here. Just like your fingerprint. There's no two fingerprints exactly alike. That's exactly the way it is in the realm of the Spirit. God puts something in you that no one else can take your place. No one else. When you understand that, that wipes out all competition and all jealousy. Because, wait, no one can fill my shoes. And I can just be thankful for who I am, what I've got in me, the giftings that I got in me. Praise God. And you know, when I say giftings, I'm not just talking about preaching and teaching. I'm not, that's a small part of it. I'm talking about the gift of patience. Do you have a gift of patience with people? Amen? Amen. I look at Sister Marty here. Marty has the gift of joy. Amen. <laughs> and guess what? We need that. Now, that's a gift from God. But there's a lot of other people out there that need that. Because when she shows up, I'm just, she's right here, so I'll pick on her. Okay? (laughs) But there's, those are the gifts I'm talking about that we have on the inside of us that we need. Those are valuable things. You know, I remember, it was probably 20 years ago now, I was watching a a newscast, you know, and, and, uh, Matter of fact, this is before the days of internet, so it's been a while. <laughs> and uh, um, and there was a guy that was diving off the coast of Florida, scuba diving, okay. And he came across a uh, sunken pirate ship, okay, that had been sunk probably two hundred years before that time. It's been down there for a couple hundred years. Well, the salt water and everything preserved everything down there. That the, the gold and the silver and the treasures that we talk about were still intact. Well, he he discovered that, found that, and uh, of course, you know, he struck gold. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Like the Beverly Hillbillies. Amen. And uh, so they they got a you know the the equipment and so forth and brought all that the treasures up and so forth. And there was. Multiple, multiple, multiple millions of dollars of gold and silver and precious uh, stones and things like that. Uh, tons of gold. You know what was interesting about that? Is that the price, they said this, I heard it with my own ears. It's the price of gold that day in the entire world just went down. Why? Because there's more gold. The less there is of something, the more valuable it becomes. There's only one of you. Now, why isn't, why isn't gravel precious? Because there's so much of it. Okay? Common rocks. 
right? But guess what? You are gold and you are silver and you are precious stones that God has placed in this earth. You are valuable and no one else can take your place. Now, it's important that you see yourself that way. Okay? Now, if you, if, even today, if you're like, well, Lord, what, what is my gifting? What, is my t- what, have, what, have, what have you graced me to do? If you don't know what that is, you ask the Lord and He will show you. Now, naturally, most of the time, it will come natural to you. Those things will come natural. Some people are just good listeners. They love to hear people. They, they have patience to listen to people. And we need people like that. Amen? Some people are more mercy-minded on people, showing just, there's just an abundance of love flowing out of them to help people. Okay? There's so many, so many different things. But I'll tell you, if you ask the Lord, when you leave here today, sometime this week, you ask the Lord, show me, Lord, what, what are my giftings? What have, what have you gifted me for? He will show you. Now, God doesn't gift you so that you can just bless yourself. Amen. Now, you will get blessed by it. But the giftings that I have are not for my sake. Okay? Uh, one of the gifts that I have, there's other things, but is to be able, able to speak and communicate. Okay? Now, I, I didn't have that gift when I was born in this earth from the natural. I did not have that gift. I ran from that. I stumbled and... It's scary for me to think what it was like because I couldn't even give a book report. I failed a book report in junior high school because I got so nervous being in front of people. I could not stand up and talk in front of people. I mean, I don't know. It was just a, it was a disaster waiting to happen. But when I said yes to God, what He called me to do, He endowed me with the gift to be able to, to communicate. Amen? And the first time I remember speaking publicly, the very first time I spoke in a church service, people got supernaturally, there was like five people that came to the altar, gave their hearts to the Lord. And then I saw super, people supernaturally got healed by the power of God. There was growths falling off of people. And the Lord was just reminding me, he says, now Keith, I called you. And if I called you, I equipped you. I equipped you. Amen. So the gifting the giftings that i have are never for my own personal benefit now i certainly get blessed by them don't get me wrong but my giftings are not for me they're for other people and the giftings that you have and what god has placed are to be used for other people to bless them amen you know what i love after church service when nobody takes off now we had a few church services i said amen everybody's out the door it's like i don't like that now I realize people have to go places and stuff like that. But, you know, it's a healthy thing sometimes when you just want to hang out and, and, and be friendly and be with other people in the body of Christ. Amen. That's, that's important, isn't it? See, that's the whole reason we're doing, not this bowling thing, just to have a social night just to do that. But this is a place where we can come together and we can connect and have fun with each other, get to know one another, bring someone that maybe wouldn't even come to a church service, but you, they'll come to a bowling thing, right, to be able to reach out to those people. So God gives you giftings. God gives you these things to not be used for yourself, but to use for other people. Now, real quickly here, um, Thomas Edison. Who knows who Thomas Edison is? You know, and uh, you know he's to be exact. He had one thousand ninety-three inventions that were patented. Okay, one thousand ninety-three U.S. patents that we're blessed by. Today, Now, here is just a couple of phrases and statements verbatim that he made regarding uh, opposition and things that he had to deal with. He said this. He says, our greatest weakness, Thomas Edison said, I quote, our greatest weaknesses lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed always is to not give up and to try just one more time. He said that. Someone asked him the question when he invented the, the light bulb, the incandescent light bulb, which we're blessed by today. Thank God for Thomas Edison. They said, did you get discouraged when it came to, you know, inventing the light bulb? He says, no, I just found 10,000 ways that it doesn't work. <laughs> so in other words, he tried 10,000 times, but on 10,001, it worked. It came together. 
He was a, not a person of weak character. That, he was not a person that gave up. Now, think about, I'd like to have one invention. Praise God. You know, God's not through inventing things yet, folks. How many of you know that? People thought that back. They said, who needs a car? You know, we've had horse and buggy all these years. I mean, you stop and think about it. It's only been in the last hundred years. Up to that point, if you wanted light in your house, you lit a candle. All right? If you wanted to go somewhere, you jumped on your horseback or your donkey or whatever. Okay? But in the last hundred years, and that's all that we've known, because that's, that's the time frame that we've lived in, how many of we, us have seen such tremendous breakthrough in technology? I mean, it's, it's an exponential curve that's just taken off. I mean, you can't even keep, by the time you get a device or something like that, a, you know, an iPad or something like that, they're already coming up with the next one. There's something better, something bigger, more technology, amen? But uh, he, said, uh, he said also this, he said, Thomas said, says, if we did the things we are capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. Okay? He said, nearly every man who develops an idea works it up to the point where it looks impossible and then they get discouraged. That's not the time to become discouraged. I love this quote. He says, the chief function of the physical body is to carry the brain around. Now, you know, there's a difference between your brain and your mind. The Bible says we have the what? Mind of Christ. Your mind is the spiritual part of your brain. Okay? He says, many of life's failures are people who do not realize how close they were to success when they just gave up. And finally, he said, the best... Thinking has been done in solitude. The worst has been done when in turmoil. He's talked about getting quiet, listening. Now we as believers, we get quiet and we listen to, to the Lord. We listen to the Lord. I, I think back in my own life, because I know me better than anybody else, that some of the most of the time, I would say, when, when I've been inspired or God spoke to me, that I could say he really spoke to my heart. You know, you know when it was? It was in the early wee hours of the morning. Now, could God speak to you during the day? Well, of course he could. But I, I found this, just more than 90% of the time, when I've heard from heaven inside me about any given subject, it came at the wee hours of the morning, when I just was waking up or something like that. And I, and I thought, why is that? Because I like to ask questions, why, why at that time of the day? And the Lord reminded me, he says, well, Keith, that's when your mind is most quiet. And when your mind is quiet, you can hear from your spirit clearer. Does anybody ever have that happen to you before? You just, you wake up, you're like, I know what to do now. Okay? And I'll tell you, most of the time, when God speaks to you, primarily he speaks by impression. It's just a knowing, an impression that you get. Like, yeah. Okay? Sometimes when you prophesy, you speak out what God's telling you, there's an impression, but then you put words to it. Okay? Now, if I was Chinese, it would come out in Chinese. If I was, you know, Spanish, it would come out in Spanish. But, you know, God puts that impression inside you, and then you, like, interpret that, and then you speak it out. But the primary way that God leads all of his kids primarily is by he puts impressions on the inside of you. Now, that may not be supernatural or spectacular, but it is supernatural. That's one of the greatest benefits, and I'm wrapping this up here. You don't have to worry. <laughs> Amen. That one of the greatest benefits about praying in, in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, is because the Bible says when you pray in, the, in tongues, you're not speaking to men, but you're speaking to God, the red phone. You're speaking to the Lord. And when you're speaking to the Lord in that language, then the, the Lord can draw up out of your spirit other information that you need to know up here. Okay? It's not just the fact that I can pray in tongues, pray in tongues, and pray in tongues. On the tail end of that, there's going to come a revelation. There's going to come a word. There's going to come wisdom. There's going to come insight as to what to do. 
when I don't know what to do, I get quiet and I listen to my spirit. I did some research recently, you know, and I was, I was thinking about, you know, that story where Jesus wrote on the ground, remember that? When the woman, they brought the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, and they brought him to Jesus, you know, and I always thought, where's the guy? You can't commit adultery by yourself, you know. So he must have took off streaking through the neighborhood or something. I don't know. But uh, but point being is this. They were trying to trap Jesus, right? They said, Moses' law says that if someone's doing this and they're caught in the act, you know, they shall be stoned, right? And so the Pharisees, I'm thinking, what are they being peeping? What are they looking into her window for anyway? Amen. Are you with me now? <laughs> The law of Moses says this, Jesus, but what do you say? They're trying to trap him, right? And there's a crowd of people that they got rocks in their hands. They're ready to stone this woman because they got the law on their side, okay? And there ain't no shortage of stones over in that part of the world. It's the rockiest place in the world over in the Middle East. And the Bible says Jesus just got down and he wrote in the ground. Now, different theologians have said, well, he was just... He was writing their girlfriend's names in the, in the sand, you know. But the Bible doesn't say that. Now, we can't speculate. We can't come to a full conclusion of something that's not in the Bible. It doesn't say what he wrote. But here's what I do believe. The Lord was showing me this. He was listening. Amen. He was biding time. And he was, they're probably like, what the heck is he doing writing in the dirt right there? But what is, what is he doing? See, they're trying to trap him. He's in a position where he's got to make a right choice because that woman's life depends on it. If he says the wrong thing within a few short seconds, she's out of here. She's history. And there's just a bloody mess right there on the ground. But Jesus, I believe, was just homing in. He was listening. And he's, then all of a sudden the wisdom came. He said, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. That's all he said. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. All of a sudden, poof, 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 rocks started dropping. And they left from the eldest to the youngest. They started leaving. And all of a sudden, all the, the two people that are left there is Jesus and this woman. And he says, where are thine accusers? She goes, there are none, Lord. He says, go and sin no more. Now, he didn't say she wasn't guilty. He just said, go and sin no more. Amen? Jesus says that to people today, too. You might have been guilty. You might have did this or did that. But he says, go on. Don't do it anymore. Just march forward. Hallelujah. But he was listening, homing in, and listening inside here because his father lived inside of him. What was he supposed to do? What was he supposed to do? And here's the last scripture. We'll close here in Hebrews eleven six. So what was our fourth point again here today? We have to be determined. Okay. Uh, part of determination would be diligence too. Diligence pays off. Did you know that all the quit that you... Have you ever felt like quitting something before? Do you ever feel like I talked about quitting praying because you get discouraged because you're looking at the natural? You feel discouraged about what's going on in your life. It seems like it's been there forever. Come on now. <laughs> Did you know all the quit is in your head? It's not in your heart. The pressure the enemy puts on your soul, on your head, on your thinking to give up is all mental. But your spirit, where God lives, he's in there. You're a Christian. He's in there. There's, when I felt like quitting, a lot of times, different issues, different things, you know, in my spirit, if I looked in there and said, no, it's not time to give up. We're more than a conqueror here. Hallelujah. This can be overcome right now. Hallelujah. But notice uh, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Notice this. And he is a rewarder of them that... Once in a while, seek him. What's it? Diligently. 
Diligently seek Him. Diligently seek Him. Now listen, there are times that you were, you were, you're going to be tempted to not be diligent. Now diligence means faithful. The Bible says a faithful man shall abound with blessings. Amen. Well, part of being faithful is showing up. Right? Are you with me now? And when I show up to prayer, I show up to do what God wants me to do, and I'm faithful to do that, whether it looks like I'm being rewarded or not. Because believe you me, there's going to come, there's gonna come times where you keep sowing, you keep doing the right thing, and you're looking and you're like, where's the reward? Right? That's why the Bible says, don't become weary in well-doing. For in due season, we will reap if we faint not. Jesus said, I would that every man pray and not faint, not quit, not give up. Amen. And when you pray and you press in in prayer, that keeps your spirit man strong so that you don't give in to the temptation to quit and to give up and to throw the towel in and to say, this stuff doesn't work. This faith stuff doesn't work. I tried it. Well, how, how long did you try it? Two weeks. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. If you're determined to stand forever, it won't take very long. But if you say, well, I'll try this for a couple of weeks. You know, I'll try that tithing stuff. I'll try this. I'll try that, you know, praying stuff. I'll try that. Well, after two weeks, it doesn't seem to, I don't see any change in what's going on. My family still looks miserable. You know, the bank account still looks miserable. Don't give up. You keep pressing in until you receive. Until you receive. <sighs> Glory to God. Whew. Praise the Lord. It was tough getting it out today, but I got it out anyway. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand up and praise the Lord. Thank you, 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 Lord. And I believe the Holy Ghost wants to say something right here. Sham Korebach, di sol metal vil retoshniskere tushkalaharietas. You don't smefredis a lavachromon gredes and aile bredes denosis. Over in the biscara rabachromo gredej livis brandbolo cam brandbalaka. There's a comashis and there's a kefrista balanechia sok over in miske red bangrestidish rambo koko sikishaha. Did not I say in my words saith the Lord not to become weary in well doing? Did I not say don't cast away your confidence, saith the Lord. For you see, when you don't give in to the pressures of this life, when you don't give in to the natural, but you give in to the Spirit, and you give in to my Word, and you feed your spirit with my Word, then your spirit will become strong just like mine. And you'll be able to rise up above the adversity you'll be able to rise up above the opposition. For the greater one is in there, not just to dwell in there and do nothing. The greater one has been placed in you, saith the Lord, to do a greater job. Ha! And as you yield yourself to me, saith the Lord, as you yield your spirit to me, and you speak my word, and you pray, and you seek my face, then you will find there will, there will become a strength coming from heaven that will undergird you and strengthen you and cause you to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint, and to rise up above those things that normally would pull you down. So yield yourself to me. And as you yield yourself to me, you will find yourself conquering land and conquering things that you never thought you would dream possible. But all these things are possible when you flow with me, saith the Lord. For did not I say in my word that I am the vine and you are the branches and the branch cannot produce fruit of itself? But know this, that you're not there to produce fruit in your own strength. You're not there to produce results in your own strength. I've given you my spirit to work with you, for you are co-laborers together with me. And as you flow with me, then my anointing will flow through you and bring those things to pass that seemed impossible. Hallelujah. So stay hooked, stay linked, and stay connected to me. 
for these, these last days that are upon you. Stay connected with me and you'll not give in to the pressure. You'll not give in to failure. But you'll give way for success and to be blessed in every single area of your life, saith the Lord. Let's just thank him for a minute here. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. 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 All right, thank you, Lord. There, there's a, here's something else I want to address right now by the Lord. There are those that are in this congregation right now that have been so tempted to give up in certain areas of your life and to quit and to throw in the towel. And in some cases, you actually have. But know this, know this. The Lord is well aware of what you've been through, what you've gone through. And not only that, He's still there for you to support you and to help you and to lift you up. So turn to Him. Turn to the Lord with all of your heart. Not just part of your heart. Not just a portion of your heart. But turn to the Lord with your energy, with your with your mind and with your emotions and give yourself over to Him. And the Lord says, when you give yourself over to me, I'll turn that situation around. I'll do it in ways you never dreamed possible. But turn unto me. Yield yourself unto me. Give yourself unto me. And I will give myself to you. For did not I say my word to draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, saith the Lord? As you draw near to me through prayer, as you draw near to me in childlike faith, then I will draw near to you and bring victory in your life. Hallelujah. And you'll know where it came from. It came from heaven above. Thank you, Lord. 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 Now, if that applies to anybody here, I have nobody in mind, of course, whatsoever, but I'm telling you, you take that. God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us right now. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to be quick to run to God, not run away from run to God. Praise God. So go for it. Amen. Run to God this week. Seek him. And we'll see you next week. Amen. God bless you.